Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Melody Spencer with us today. Melody, thank you for being on the show. Hey guys, hey, thanks so much. <laughs> Melody is a digital marketing strategist, consultant and Facebook ad specialist for soul-focused, high-vibe female entrepreneurs and coaches from Wilmington, I think that's right, from yeah, Wilmington well. in the United States. She's <laughs> been working in a digital the digital marketing industry for over seven years and loves helping female business owners learn to utilize Facebook ads to find their soulmate clients and to create a strategic digital marketing plan that rocks. All right, we will definitely dive into Facebook ads. That seems to be something that's quite unpopular on this show in particular, but uh, I thought we'd start with your background, if that's okay, Melody. So would you be able to share with me and my listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. So I was born um, in the United States, in Florida, in Gainesville, Florida, and I actually had a pretty um, different (laughs) birth story. Um, I was a premature baby, so I was born um, three months early, and I was a pound 10 ounces when I was born, so I was teeny tiny. they basically told my mom that I was going to die <laughs> and that there was like no chance. So, you know, and this was the early eighties. So technology and medical science was not what it was now. Um, so I definitely feel like I came out like a fighter and yep. I have kind of not like a destiny, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm meant to do great things because I was able to live through so much and go through those challenges of being a preemie and dealing with all those health issues and all that stuff. So that was the start of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And from there, um, I've lived all over the United States. My parents uh, were self-employed musicians Um, so we lived all over the Southeast of the United States. I always joke with people, uh, when they say, where are you from? I'm like, I don't have a hometown. I don't, (laughs) I've lived so many places, um, that I don't feel like I really can claim one place. So I'm from all over. And, um, so I grew up a bunch of different places. My parents were self-employed. I definitely had a very uh, non-traditional childhood just because we lived so many different places. I was homeschooled some. I, you know, kind of got to learn what I wanted to learn and we traveled a lot. And, you know, by the time I was 12, I had been to like three different countries and, you know, just, I did not have a normal childhood. And I feel like that definitely influenced, um, how I see the world and why it felt okay to become an entrepreneur and to try something different just because my parents were always trying things that were different. Mm. So, yes. yeah. So, 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 so it was almost like um, it was normal for you to, to constantly change then. So what was it like in terms of like, um, like schools and, and it's, it, school and college in in the u.s isn't it so what was it like in terms of of your education when when you you decided to shift from homeschooling uh well 
I actually, I I'd went back and forth between both, but I did go to high school completely in a normal school, and it was great. I loved it. I was, you know, I was nerdy, like <laughs> really good at school and nerdy and definitely an overachiever. And I was very creative. I did theater. I did, you know, choir and music. And so I, I loved high school. Um, but that overachiever perfectionist side of me, definitely it came crashing down because I, so my parents didn't go to college. So I was the first person in my family to go to college. Right. Um, and there was a lot of immense pressure on me to do well because I had done so, so well in high school. Mm. Uh, you know, straight A's, just overachiever, doing really well on things. And so I went to college. I was excited for the freedom of being in college. But, you know, when I think about it now, like 18 is so young to like go off on your own and and go from like all these rules in a normal school to being on your own, living on your own, having to make your own schedule. And I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the, the craziness of just college going from one extreme to another. And I really had like a dark time. Like I was extremely depressed, extremely um, just yeah, it was not good. I ended up failing my freshman year of college because I just couldn't get out of that depression. And now that I know the way I am, I definitely um, dealt with depression most of my life and anxiety, but I had never gotten treatment for it. So it was hard to see myself fail so spectacularly and not have anybody say, it's okay, let me get you help <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was the transition like from from having the the rules and the constraints that might have helped you or not? I mean, you could, you could probably elaborate on that yourself, Melody, but what was it like to go from having the constraints and the rules of college to then starting your own business and almost, and almost like is making your own rules and setting your own yeah. schedule? What was the transition like? Well, um, I mean, between like college and then I had normal jobs after college that were terrible, but I actually find now that I'm working for myself that I am a little bit more self-disciplined and I actually get more done on my own in my own office rather than a regular office because mostly because it's just me and I don't have to have other people bothering me, other people nagging me or telling me what I need to get done, I have to do it myself, which is also on the flip side hard because mm -hmm. I beat, beat myself up for not getting enough done or not dealing with enough clients or, you know, it's that perfectionism again, telling me like, you're not good enough or you haven't done enough. So I have to constantly kind of feed myself positive self-messages instead of negative ones to counteract that. Right, yeah, yeah. So for, for someone else then, so this is something that I would imagine that there could be some people out there that listen to this that have also experienced. So do you have any strategies for 
we're trying to put yourself in a more a more positive place. So when when depression strikes, which I'm sure it probably still does for yourself and maybe a lot of the listeners as well, mm-hmm. have you got anything that can help put you in a more positive place? Um, I have in the past year really been um, learning to utilize mindset journaling um, and affirmations. I do that every day. I wake up. It's non-negotiable for me to wake up and journal as soon as I get up. Um, I have between 20 and 100 affirmations that I write out throughout the day. I meditate. um, And I just, I really try to surround myself with positive people, positive things, just trying to send out good energy into the world, which sounds really hippie and like BS, but it actually really makes a huge difference just putting that intention out into the world and saying, I am going to have a great day. I am enough. I am worthy. I am amazing at what I do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for, for someone listening to this, so I, I'm going to play a little bit the, the role of the skeptic now, uh, Melody, so you'll have to yeah. forgive if it comes across a little bit too negative. But yeah. what would you say to someone who might see it as more of a almost like trying to delude yourself into becoming positive. What, what, what would you say to that? Well, I would say, yeah, you can see it that way, but if it helps you, it helps you. Because, I mean, I've talked to therapists before that say, like, yes, you do have to put yourself in a positive state of mind to make a change. Um, it's... Yeah, it does sound like you kind of are deluding yourself, but if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts, how are you going to get out of those negative spaces? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's it, it's almost like because from from my understanding of how of how we work as people, we we can't think two things at once. We we have right. like one thought at a time, one feeling at a time, and it's like it's not about feeling positive. It's about the flip side. It's about not feeling negative. Right. Is it? It's about yeah. It's about uh, getting one of those negative messages and those blocks that are keeping you from whatever you're trying to achieve or do. Yeah. So you you mentioned how you've got a, quite a list of, of things that you do. So from journaling and affirmations to meditating and, and all of those kinds of things, it, it sort of leads me to think, well, you must have an element of routine in the morning and maybe even a routine in the evening. Is, would that be right in saying that? Yes, totally. So um, what, what, what's your morning routine and what's your evening routine, if you have one? Yeah, in the morning I get up and have a cup of coffee or tea, and I immediately um, journal. Uh, and I also have another journal I keep that's um, full of things I want to achieve. Each It's almost like a goal list, but I call it a manifestation list, uh, which again sounds like really woo-woo and spiritually, but... <laughs> um, But yeah, it's just things I want to achieve that month. And then I write out my affirmations. Um, I use journaling prompts from um, a mindset journaling group I'm in. Also to help me kind of dig deeper into, say, my big vision or what I want to achieve or, you know, whatever the prompt brings up. Um, 
And then once I've done all that, I usually meditate or um, pull like a, a daily oracle card or something just to kind of give me like an intention or an affirmation for the day. Um, and then I will go about my day and, you know, take care of my dogs, uh, have <laughs> breakfast, um, and then start my day. Um, All right. So what, what about the evening then? So do you have anything that helps you wind down or, or not? Um, in the evening, I usually spend 30 minutes to an hour just reading. I love reading. I'm a huge nerd. Um, so I will read something either, you know, for pleasure or business, whatever book I'm reading at the time. And then I will, in the evening, write down affirmations again in my journal. And then I write down uh, what I did great that day and what I'm grateful for. And then I kind of, that's how I wind down. So. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. So we, we, often, we often hear, or at least I often hear, that sleep tends to be quite important in terms of to do with memory and, and helping us recover and, and all mm -hmm. of those things. So what, what would your thoughts be on doing things around sleep. So morning and evening seems to be quite mm -hmm. a, a straightforward time to, to do those kinds of things. Have you noticed a difference in terms of when you do those things and what, what your thoughts and feelings are before and after you go to sleep? Um, I definitely feel like it has helped my sleep um, since I've been doing that, for sure. I did used to have like insomnia, mm. um, which was definitely attributed to anxiety. Um, yeah, I think it, in the morning, it helps me wake up. It helps me have a clearer memory. It helps me, I feel like it's even helped me remember my dreams a little bit more vividly. I don't know if that's actually true, but I feel like yeah. it is. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it definitely helps me get in a re relaxed state of mind and, um, sleep deeper having my mind kind of clear and blank and focused on positive things when I go to sleep rather than, you know, as somebody with anxiety, rather than playing those negative messages again, over and over and over again, which is what I used to do is I wouldn't be able to sleep because I would just think, Oh, I'm doing this wrong. Or I've got this meeting that I'm nervous about, or I don't have enough money or, you know, whatever the, anxiety trigger was ah right so from, from what you've told me there melody it's almost like you you get the the thoughts on paper so to speak whether they be positive or negative or, or whatever but then mm -hmm. after that you then fill it with the more positive side of things is that is that the kind of is that the kind of yeah. process that you put yourself through totally yeah i i tend to write down all the negative things and then look at those and try to turn them into positives. So one of the things I struggled with the past year is saying, I am not, not enough or I'm not worthy of success. And so I've turned that into, I am enough. I am enough for my clients. I am worthy of success. And I try to repeat those and play those positive messages rather than the negative messages that I was that was blocking me. Ah, uh, okay. 
So you, you mentioned in, in the bio that you specialize in, in Facebook ads for, for people that run their own businesses and things. So how, how did you get into that? What was the, what, what was the, 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 uh, the moments or the instances that led up to you to actually trying to, to get yourself into that? So um, how I got into working for myself in digital marketing started um, before I quit my corporate job. I had a really good friend from college who decided to create her own organic skincare and makeup line. And she knew nothing about marketing. I had a background in marketing. So I said, hey, I will help you with your marketing for free just as a fun little side hustle Mm -hmm. and um I started doing that for a long time and I really loved it and I realized hey I'm actually really good at this and so that kind of led into me learning this is you know years ago when Facebook ads first came out I started dabbling in that and realizing like hey you can get really good results with these and it's nothing compared to it is now like now it's a total game changer but back then it was pretty rudimentary but um yeah so I started with that for her I did Facebook ads I did blog posts I did social media content creation I did influencer outreach um all kinds of stuff and it was really fun and that kind of propelled me into saying hey I need to do this full-time for myself so Uh, The past few years, I've been doing everything for people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I wore way too many hats. Like, I was, again, doing content creation, social media management, digital strategy, creating graphics, influencer outreach, like, everything. It was too much. So, finally, this year, I said, no, enough is enough. I'm just going to focus on the two things I enjoy doing the most, which are Facebook ads and digital strategy. I love working with uh, entrepreneurs who either know what they want out of their digital strategy, um, but don't have time to do it, which that's a lot of my clients, or um, brand new entrepreneurs who are totally overwhelmed by digital strategy and Facebook ads and don't even understand the power of them. So I kind of work with both of those people on the flip side. So people at the top and people at the beginning, which I, I have a heart for both of them because I can see both sides from where I am now. Ah, so do you use your ability to to understand what the clients are going through to your advantage in terms of helping them with the strategies? Oh, totally. Yeah. I I love showing people, especially the new the new entrepreneurs like where they can be and that it doesn't have to be scary, it doesn't have to be expensive if they don't want it to be. Yes, you can spend thousands of dollars to get great conversions and great you know, leads, but you also can get really good results with like $50. And a lot of people don't know that and they don't take the time to learn that or they just freak out because they're like, oh, it's another piece of technology I have to learn. Ah, right. So if if someone listening to this might have the 
they might have the idea that you need to put a lot of money into it. What, what would you say to those people? You really don't. Um, I tell this to my clients all the time. It really is all about testing. So split testing. So making sure you test the copy, the images, the headlines, the audiences. Um, and you can do that with just a little bit of money. And then once you figure out the golden ticket, the person, the, per the audience, the image, everything that converts the best, you can create whatever budget you want. Yes, I think it's great to spend like 100 or $200 at least to get really good results, but that may not be in everybody's budget. So you can start out with a small amount and just see how it goes as long as you're testing the right elements. What, what sort of things would you say were the right elements then? So we, we often talk about things like the, is it a video, is it a picture, is it just text? But how, how far does the, the testing need to go in order to, to optimize the, the ads? I usually start by um, creating and testing audiences for my clients. So I usually have, I give them a questionnaire with, you know, who their ideal client is, um, what does that look like? Where do they shop? Where do they eat? Like, what kind of money do they make? And I create a bunch of saved audiences. And then we test those with um, images, video, you know, whatever they want to advertise. What, you know, some of them have lead pages, some of them have, you know, blog posts. It depends client to client for sure. But I will test the audiences against if a video is doing well or if an image is doing well or if it's all the same image and a specific call to action is going to do better on that one. It, it, again, it depends client to client. Okay. Um, are, there any, are there any common themes then? Is there anything that, you th that you've noticed with, with, with working with a lot of people that do run their own businesses then where you sort of say, well this is, is always going to work better than that because of X, Y, and Z. Did you have any of those for us? I do think videos are doing really well right now. Um, Facebook is giving a ton of space in their algorithm for uh, video views. So either um, Facebook Live or a pre-recorded video that's a small like 30-second ad, that is doing incredibly well. Um, there are so many changes coming with Facebook that I tell my clients this now. It's not a matter of if you should do Facebook ads, it's when are you going to do Facebook ads? Because Facebook is ever-changing and, yeah, you need to get in on this before it gets crazy expensive or too crowded for your ad to really be seen. All right, so it's almost like the more popular it becomes, it gets it gets even harder for you to stand out. Yeah, it's kind of the way it is like right now with like Google ads. Like Google ads are pretty expensive. Um, and there's so many of them that it's harder to stand out now. But I, I think that with the changes that Facebook is doing, um, you need to have a strategic approach and you need to um, be creative. So try doing, you know, video, try doing... I've seen some audio ads, like just all kinds of stuff. You can try some crazy stuff and see what happens and see if it resonates with your client and your audiences to get the conversions that you want. 
All right. So what, what would you say was the most important thing then? So you mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned quite a bit in terms of video or, or audio or, or text or whatever the case is, but, th but then you mentioned that you need to find something that vibes with your, with your audience, because obviously mm -hmm. some people might like to, to read one particular ad more than the other or whatever the case is. How important is knowing your audience to making sure that the ads are effective? Oh, it's, I would say, one of the most important things, 100%. Like I said, when I first started working, start working with clients, I really go through and have them figure out exactly what their ideal client looks like so we can find them because the targeting on Facebook ads is so intense that you really can get down to what car they drive, you know, where they live, how much they make, where they shop, what they eat. It's, it's insane how detailed and a little scary how detailed Facebook can get into your personal life. But you basically want an ad that looks native to your ideal client or customer's timeline. So it look, you want something that makes them say, this ad is just for me, or maybe they don't, they don't even realize it's an ad because it's so well done. And it seems like your friend posted it, not some business. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, it, it's interesting when you say that it can get really, really targeted. It means that, you know, for, at least from what you've told me there, that it stands to reason then that you should probably do a lot of work before you even decide to run the ad on the types of people that you want to see the ad. You know, yeah. if, if, if it can make a big difference between, say, putting like Ford in the, the cars or then putting Mercedes in the cars would, would yield different. Just, just those two words there would would yield very different results. And you, meant, you mentioned oh, yeah. um, you mentioned native as well. So for someone that has no idea what that means, would you be able to uh, explain what native means to us? Sure. So native means it would look like something that would just be on a normal Facebook page. So uh, the best way I have to explain this is I have found with a lot of my clients that um, when we've tested, say, a stock photo versus a selfie or just like a regular picture from your phone, the pictures from your phone have done better on Facebook in an ad than a stock photo because it looks like it's natural and not forced and it's just natural on your timeline on your Facebook page like you would see your friend post. Uh, okay, so, it's, so it stands to, for, so just from what you said there, then, it's almost like the more your ads can look like normal posts from your friends, the yes. more likely it is that people will see it, which is quite interesting because there's so many people that have a great big, like, almost like huge designs and stock photos and you make sure that the lighting's just right for the video and all of those kinds of things but what you're sort of saying is well it'd be better if it just looked like another post yes well you do i mean you always want it to look professional but just don't i don't know i follow so many entrepreneurs you know big big people and I feel like sometimes their marketing is just so slick that it just looks almost 
scammy a little bit and it doesn't look just I don't know it doesn't look inviting so mm. I'm always all about making things look inviting and friendly and you know whatever message you're trying to send to your ideal client that's what you want to want to come across in your posts and your ads so if you are a, a life coach dealing with female entrepreneurs who are dealing with life transitions, then you want to make sure you are open and honest and friendly and that your face, since you're selling yourself, is the one they see, not a stock photo or not a stock video of other people. They want to see your face so they can relate to you. Ah, uh, right, okay. No, it's, it's, it's interesting as well, because when, when you say that the Facebook changes quite a bit as well, it's almost like the more the platforms change, the more your ads have to change with it. Would that be right in saying oh, that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think about the ads that I ran, you know, like six years ago versus now. It's, it's totally different. It's, literally, there's a change every week. Sometimes not for the better. <laughs> I just like to mess with things in the settings all the time, but... Yeah, there are changes every week, and it's, I think that appeals to my nerdy side, is figuring out, like, okay, they made this change, how do I deal with that? Mm. Do you have any do's and don'ts for Facebook ads? So let, let's, let's try and reduce it to, say, three key things to, to try and do for Facebook ads, and then three things to avoid when it comes to Facebook ads. What, 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 what would yeah. your three do's and three don'ts be? Um, for do's, um, definitely test, uh, test all of your different targeting, test your audiences, test your headlines, test every element. Um, and right now Facebook just added a new way to do a split test. So you used to have to duplicate, um, ad sets to split test, but now you can do a split test directly in Facebook ads manager, which is so much easier, so much less clunky. And it, mm. it will actually um, pick the winning set for you. So it'll tell you when your test is over, this one won and this is why it won because it had the best clicks or the best uh, cost per click or the best audience or, you know, whatever variable you were testing. So, that is my number one tip is testing the heck out of <laughs> your <laughs> ads because a lot of people will just throw something up on Facebook and say, I didn't get any conversions. Well, you didn't get conversions because you didn't test. So that would okay, be the yeah. first one. Mm -hmm. Number two. Um, number two would be um, make sure your images are really good. Again, doesn't have to be a stock photo it can be a selfie but make sure you have good lighting um make sure it looks professional but also friendly and like it would be on your on your friend's facebook page so kind of the mix of professional and casual depending on what you're trying to sell of course if it's if it's a brick and mortar business maybe not but <laughs> for coaches um, and that kind of thing. Just make sure it's a mix of professional and friendly and warm. Um, 
And the third, let me think. What is my other good tip? Let me see here. The third one would probably be uh, know your audience, like we talked about before. Just make sure you spend a lot of time figuring out who your ideal client is, um, what your end goal for your ads are, a realistic end goal. Don't say, I want 100,000 people to go to my blog tomorrow. That's not realistic. That's not magic. We're not magic. Facebook takes time and work, but you can get great results. It's just, it's not a magical thing. I, I told somebody one time, I was like, I'm not Harry Potter. Like, I can't <laughs> make you have millions of leads overnight. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it really takes um, time to test your audiences and make sure that you know in and out who you're trying to attract and what your motivation is in attracting them and why they should specifically use you or your services or your product. Okay. So, so we're on we're on three things to avoid doing now. The first one I would say to definitely avoid would be boosting posts. Please stop boosting posts. It is a waste <laughs> of time and money. Do not do it. No. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> okay. What's um, your what, what, what's your strong reason for that then? So if someone's listened to this and a little bit, I, I, I wouldn't say taken back by that, but they'll be like, okay, well, why is that? You know, we want to try to answer questions that people might have. So why, why shouldn't we boost posts? Don't boost posts because you cannot target as much as you can. So, it, so here's the thing. You can do a similar type of campaign in Facebook Ads Manager. It's called an engagement campaign. And in there, you can do much more intense targeting. And you can try different audiences. You can split test, all that. But if you go through and just push that little button that says boost, you're not going to get those features. And you're not going to be able to control the variables as much as you can in Facebook Ads Manager. So, yes, it's fine to try to up the engagement on your posts. But it's I don't feel like they yield as good of results as, say, doing a traffic ad. Where, yes, people are still going to see that. But hopefully they're going to click over to your podcast or your blog posts or your lead page or whatever, instead of just um, trying to get likes or hearts or, you know, whatever. Okay. So what's your second thing to avoid? Second thing to avoid would be just slapping up an ad up there without proofing it. I see so many Facebook ads where people have terrible grammar and terrible like spelling mistakes and just poorly sized images just really make sure that you are uh, carefully looking through and reading through and designing your ads so that they look like what you're trying to represent unless you're trying to make a point about that but yeah I've just seen so many poorly done ads that I just 
I'm like, really? Who, who put this up here? Like, did you even proof this? <laughs> um, and then the third one would be make sure it's kind of in the same vein, but um, just make sure you have the proper um, sized images. So again, I've seen a lot of poorly sized images on ads and they, yeah, they don't look good. They look blurry. So don't put blurry pictures up on your ads. That sounds simple, but a lot of people do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. Um, <laughs> that, that sparked uh, a couple of the questions from me. And sure. the first one is, is it possible to be too targeted? So too specific with the people that you're working with? So we mentioned like just cars and things before. I mean, someone could be listening to this going, what? You we really, really need to go that specific. So is it possible to be too specific and too tailored with your, your ad targeting? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to get that specific. You can, and that's the cool thing, is that you can get that specific. But, um, yeah, it really depends on your goal and the outcome that you want from your campaigns. So you can go broad. It's just sometimes people won't feel like that ad is directly for them if you don't really target down. So yeah, you can be too broad, but you know, it, again, it depends on your outcome that you want. Okay. Well, what, what if the ad then was to sell something? So we're looking at trying to sell, we're looking at trying to sell almost directly from the ad. <clears throat> so people would people would click the ad to go to a page or the website or whatever the case is, and the intention is to buy something as a result of clicking on the ad. So what 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 would your suggestions be around targeting in terms of can you be too specific or can't you be too specific in terms of actually trying to sell from the ad? For a product like that, um, I would probably create a carousel ad where it shows the products and it has a direct link to the product and then in the targeting it would be say if it appeals to both men and women i would say men and women between whatever age group um and then i would put the demographics of you know their online shoppers you know they maybe some some of your competitor stores in there you can get pretty, you can do broadly for products, but make sure that they're online shoppers or shoppers of whatever type of product you're selling, um, as well as, you know, maybe like mobile shoppers, you can put in, say, iPhone, Android, that kind of thing. So it's not super, 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 you know, niche down, but it's, um, still going to be getting the right people to your products. Right, okay. So it's it's almost like as long as you have a certain key key parts to the targeting, then it's almost like... The, the, it's hard to explain. Like the, the, the other stuff's almost like the, the nice things to have, so to speak. Yes. So yes. you get certain things nailed down to make sure that 
you've shown them to the right people, but then the, the, the other things are like, okay, it'd be nice if we had people that X, Y, and Z. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. How about mobile then? So you mentioned mobile. Is there any anything specific that in terms of the the difference between a desktop and a mobile Facebook ad? Um, mobile is actually becoming a dominant part of Facebook ads. I think because more and more people are um, using Facebook from their phones or their tablets these days. So I have found in my testing that actually mobile ads are doing a lot better than desktop ads as people move away from the laptop and all that. Um, so again, I would say test for your product or your services or whatever to see which one does better for your audience. But if it seems that mobile is doing better, um, be sure that your images look good on mobile and your wording looks good on mobile because sometimes um, Facebook will cut off the copy in a really, really long uh, ad for mobile. So make sure the most important things you have to say that are going to grab your client or your customer are above that uh, page break and in your headline so people see it. So if I'm just scrolling through my phone and I see, you know, a 199 course about mindfulness and I go, oh, I want that because I saw that in the headline or I saw that in the very top part of the copy without having to click that more button. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah. So it's so it's almost like the, the testing element seems to be quite um, a big a big thing you know from everything that we've spoken about it's like you really really do have to test everything just to make sure that everything fits the audience that you have but yes. how often how often do we make changes so you see people that might make changes several times a day you see people that might do it every week every month is there is there a guide maybe for how how soon you should change or, or alter the ad? Because I guess it might take a certain amount of time for the ad to actually show any form of results in the first place. But then if you yes. keep changing, then you're never really going to know. So is, is there an optimum time to, to make these adjustments and how long before you change again? For a split test, Facebook recommends a minimum of three days to see the best results. I usually give it about seven days. Um, if, you know, occasionally Facebook will say, hey, this age group is slightly lower for cost click. Do you want to change it? And I'll keep a, an idea of that, but I don't want to change that element until the, the seven days is over. So I can see a good marker of, what's doing well and what changes I need to make. So once I have an idea of that for my clients, I will go in and make changes daily if they want, but usually weekly. Um, I feel like daily changes is kind of crazy unless you really have a very specific timeline. Say if you're doing like an early bird special on a course or something, and you only have a 24-hour period. If you see that something isn't working within that 24-hour period, you need to go ahead and change that. 
All oh, right, so it's almost like a, it's almost like the um, the deadline that you've got makes a difference as to how often yes. that you would test. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. All oh, right, okay, all right. No, it's, it's 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 good to to make a note of that for people that are listening because some people might do like tests or like, change things every couple of days, but the ad might be running for say two or three months. So you've got plenty of time to to make your adjustments to see if each change would would have an impact on the ad at all. And then you might not need to change or you might need to change. So I guess I guess yeah, it's it's having that it's having that knowledge of okay, well if your ad's running for a couple of months, then you should probably be a little bit more strategic in the way that you change because you might end up changing them back again if it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Just out of curiosity, have you ever have you ever had that incident where you've made a change for someone and realised it didn't work and had to change it back again? Um. Yes, kind of. I'm trying to think of exactly. It's more that I've had clients that don't know exactly what they want and they keep wanting to change it back. Um, and again, they're the client, like, yes, I can give them the tools and I can offer my opinion, but if they want a very specific goal or a very specific product and it's not doing the best, but that's what they feel should be in the ad, that's what we're going to go with. It's their money. It's their time. It's their service or product. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this is, is this definite, um, there's this definite idea that you need to be quite clear on what you actually want and what the intention is before you, you start to, to make changes. Because I guess you'd probably make your your decisions and you, you try and filter it through the intention that you have for the app, yeah? Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So we're, we are coming close to the end now. So we've, we've gone through quite a lot. Um, <laughs> are, there any, are, there any, are there any parts of Facebook ads that we haven't covered that you want to cover. So because we're on near the end, I don't want to leave any stone unturned, Melody. So <laughs> do you have anything that maybe we haven't covered? Do you have any insider tips or pro tips? You know, you, you can pull the curtain back if you want to. It's entirely up to you. Um, so yeah, what, what parting piece of guidance would you be prepared to, to give our listeners before we finish? Yeah, um, so if you're just starting out with Facebook ads, um, I highly recommend that you make sure you have the Facebook pixel installed on your landing pages and on your um, website. This is kind of like the Google pixel uh, that helps track analytics, but it's for Facebook. Um, It'll help you remarket your ads to people who may have gone to your website. It'll help you track conversions. It really helps you get a little bit more nitty gritty, down and dirty um, compared to just a regular ad. A lot of people are very scared of the Facebook pixel because it seems very complicated. It's all this code, but it really is pretty simple once you do some research and figure it out and just all you have to do is put it on your website and then it kind of does its thing. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I tell a lot of my clients. I say, okay, if you don't know how to do that, I can do that for you, but you need to have that so you can really 
track what you're doing and know if what you're doing is actually working. Okay, cool. So we are, we are getting close to the end now. You mentioned that you're a bit of a, a little bit of a nerd, Melody, and you, you enjoy <laughs> a good read. So do you have any, any yeah. books that you'd recommend for us? Um, as far as business books, I just started reading uh, The Miracle Morning about uh, creating a habit in the morning to get up earlier. And so it kind of goes uh, in the same vein of what I already do, but I don't always get up at 6.30 in the morning. So <laughs> I'm really trying to implement that to start my day even earlier and on a more positive path. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, just before we go, um, if someone listening would like to find out a bit more about you and what you do, now is your chance to share things like websites or, or offers or, or Facebook groups, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I actually am launching right now a four-week program for uh, female entrepreneurs and business owners who want to learn how to use Facebook ads and create a digital strategy for 2018. This is not for, you know, six figure business owners. It's more for the newer uh, business owners that I work with sometimes who may not have the budget to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, but want that experience of um, learning how to do a strategy, learning how to create uh, ads that really convert well. Um, and it's going to include videos, workbooks, um, a few one-on-one -on -one calls, Facebook Lives, all that. So that is um, booking right now. It's called the Digital Marketing Strategy Bootcamp. And um, I can give you a link to put in your show notes if you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, what's the, um, the link though so people can, can listen to it as well? It is, hold on, let me look at it. It's a long <laughs> It's a long link. Hold on one second. Um, while I'm looking for that, um, I also have a website. It's swiftly-social.com. That's my company. And you can also find me on Facebook under Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Um, All right. Excellent. So, yeah, the link to that program is subscribepage.com slash digital marketing strategy bootcamp all right cool so yeah i will i'll put the um the link in the description for the show so if people are listening and they want to take advantage of that then they have the link to grab it straight away so the hopefully people will take you up on that because i know I've, I've learned quite a bit from from facebook as you're listening to you melody so i hope others that they want a little bit more or want a lot more which is what it sounds <laughs> like then they can click yeah. on the the link all right so before we finish we've got one last question and um, we've had answers ranging from funny to serious. So this is <laughs> this is the moment where we where we blow the whole thing wide open potentially. And the, uh, okay. And the question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. What they don't already know about me. Um. That I am ready to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> it almost reminds me of the, um, oh, what's that cartoon? 
is it Pinky and the Brain? Pinky and the, the Brain, uh, yeah. I love Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right, Melody, well, thanks for sharing your, your insights on the show. Very grateful that you managed to carve out the time, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. All right, thank you so much. <laughs>